Hello Watford fans, John here. Uh, this week's podcast, uh, where Watford went away to Old Trafford, uh, is being uh, hosted by Colin. It's one of our Way Day diaries, where uh, he's off to see what happens. Well, you know what happens. What Unfortunately, Watford lost uh, 2-1. Uh, but this is the story of his day. And Colin's been a great addition to our podcast over the last couple of seasons. And this podcast, he'll look at a, a certain element of being a Watford fan. More on that when he introduces himself. But remember, this is a podcast for what fans, by what fans. We do like you to get involved. Make sure you get involved via social media at Watford Podcast on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Or of course, always drop us an email, podcast at fromtherookerend.com because this is one of the most important weeks of our season. We've got a game against Fulham to come. We'll do a podcast after that. And of course, there is a game at Wembley against Wolverhampton Wanderers in the FA Cup semi-final and we want to hear how you're feeling about that over the next couple of days so let's head off to Colin I'm not quite sure where he's going to start this podcast but we will uh, we'll see over to you Colin good morning everyone uh, it's Colin speaking it's a bit echoey in here I'm actually in the toilet of the train going to Manchester because the train is so packed that there's nowhere for me to record this it's now about 11 o'clock and uh, we're on the train going up to Manchester to watch the game this afternoon. And I'm traveling with my daughter, Lily, who's 13, and my niece, Ollie, who is 28, and her boyfriend, Max, who are United fans. And it got me thinking about today's podcast, that my first game was at Old Trafford in a long, long time ago, a FA Cup game, and I went with my mum and my two brothers, my older brother being a Chelsea fan, but he came along, because obviously I couldn't leave him at home on his own. And it started me thinking about family, basically, and how you become a fan of the team that you support. And in most cases, I think that's probably because of some sort of family hereditary connection. Certainly is in my case, because my mother was a mental Watford fan. And so was my middle brother, and that's why I got into it. But also, it's a question you get asked quite a lot, isn't it? And this is what I find. You go somewhere, you meet people who, who don't know anything about football, who don't understand football, and they look at you, a middle-aged man, and they say, where have you been today? And you go, oh, I've been to Leicester to, to watch Watford. And they, they look at you like you're mad. Like, you went to Leicester, all the way to Leicester, to watch a football match. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you follow a football team all over the country? Or even just, why would you go to the home games? Why, what is it about 22 men kicking a football around that makes people want to go and watch it? Which is a valid question if it's something that's never been a part of your life. And so it got me thinking, and I think that basically at the root of it, the word family is the, is the key word. So even if... Um, even if it's not your family, and there are plenty of people that follow Watford who don't have parents who followed Watford, or brothers or sisters, or grandparents who follow Watford, they found Watford on their own, they found football on their own. But what they find when they get there is another family. And I think that Watford really epitomised that in football, but lots of clubs have that kind of community feel. So, you know, we're not, we're not alone. I think the reason we stand out as a family club is partly because when Graham Taylor arrived the first time, football was a bit in the doldrums because of the violence and more and more people were not going to football on the basis that they were frightened or it just wasn't a nice environment and what Graham Taylor did was do the absolute opposite and create the Junior Hornets, create the family stand and create a family feel at a football club and it's something that uh, has been a long long legacy of his at our club. So I think people really see their club as a family as well as going with their family 
So my first game was at Old Trafford a long time ago. I went with my mum. When she got older, I used to take her to games. And it's just been a, a kind of common thread throughout my life. And then when I had children, I started to take them, hoping that they would be interested. I was very lucky. I had two daughters. They both loved football. They could easily not have done. My friend Phil had three sons. Not one of them was interested in football, which I think is quite sad and something we might have a chat about later. So I'm going to try and meet some people today, be they my, uh, my niece's boyfriend, Max, who is a United fan, maybe other United fans in the quadrant, but also Watford fans, and just try and find the tales of their Watford love, the birth of their Watford love. And hopefully we'll get some quite interesting stories uh, and we'll, we'll just expand this idea of, of family in football and also being part of a family, being part of a club. There's a very famous line from City Slickers, which is a great film, but there's a bit in it which really sort of chimed with me when I watched it the first time. They're out there in the middle of nowhere and they're all terrified because, I don't know, I think the story's... <laughs> not going to go into the story, but they're sitting around the campfire and they sort of start talking about baseball. And there's a girl there and she asked that question, like, why are you talking about baseball? Why is baseball such a big thing for men? And one of the characters says, you know, it's an interesting question, that. But I remember when I was 15, 15, you know, a teenager, and he says, I remember when I was that age and I couldn't speak to my father about anything. We just had no connection. But the one thing we could talk about was baseball. And I think that's a really interesting idea, that there are times when a common shared love of football is a thing that can bind people together. It can help a relationship over a difficult time. Uh, and I think that's perfectly described by what he said. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Uh, the other thing, while I'm here in the uh, in the Virgin train toilet, because it's the only quiet place on the train, the other thing we're going to talk about today, and on a slightly more light-hearted note, is replica shirts. Now, people have different views about replica shirts, but I think it's quite a fun topic. So I currently have this season's shirt, and for the first time since we've been in the Premier League, uh, born out of my great love of Roberto Pereira, I went and got his name and his number put on the back of his shirt. Now, some men my age would think that that was a bit odd, and I'm not sure that I don't agree with them, particularly as Pereira's form has completely fallen off since I put his name and number on the back of my shirt. But nevertheless, uh, it's, a, it's a discussion. Lots of, lots of people go to football without any kind of emblem of their club, maybe a small badge, but not scarves, not replica shirts. They think maybe that that's for kids. So it's a question I'm going to ask. What is the age when you shouldn't wear a replica shirt or should you wear one ever? But what age do you think is it too old to have the name of a player on the back of your shirt? We'll find out. So um, I'm sitting on the train and I'm with my younger daughter, Lily. And Lily is an avid Watford fan. She's more than just a Watford fan. She's a massive football fan and she's not been on the podcast before, but here she is. So, Lily, how did you become a Watford fan? Well, Dad was always a Watford fan and then... Flip... You mean me? Yeah, sorry. Colin was always a Watford fan. And then um, Flo, my sister, she got into it and started going to the games 
and then I came along to a couple and got really into it myself as well and a lot of my friends at school like Arsenal and Tottenham which is completely boring but um, so there's a lot of football banter at school as well. When you went to secondary school or even when you were at primary school and you were surrounded because we live in Kentish Town surrounded by Arsenal fans mostly and also Tottenham fans and a few the odd Chelsea fan here and there, but no one else really supporting a club the size of Watford or supporting Watford Did you, were you ever tempted to think oh you know what maybe I'll support Arsenal no like once I, st- I got into football when I was like nine then I like that was it I was never ever going to support another team maybe when I was in like year three or something and there was I think there might have been a week where I was a Chelsea fan only because my best friend was but I quickly realised that was a very fatal error and went back to the home team for our family particularly the three of us me you and Flo what do you think have been the benefits of, of just being football fans being Watford fans um, I think it kind of brings us together as a family because otherwise on Saturdays we'd all be doing different things like Flo would be out with her friends or doing revision and I would be in my bedroom and that would be I don't know what we'd be doing that's me by the way and I think it just brings us all together as a family and also yeah, we've met all these like amazing people that dad knew from school and just met all these new people and it's really nice and it's something to look forward to oh Lily that's great that's my girl now I'm sitting next to Max who is my niece's boyfriend who is a confirmed Manchester United fan sorry everybody but uh, as we're talking about family today I wanted to ask Max just about how he became a Man United fan and we had a very brief chat before we started recording and it's quite an interesting story so how did you become a Man United fan? yeah it's a big one so I grew up in a family that no one was really into football. Well, my uncle, my uncle and cousin were into football, but um, I got into it really through Euro '96, that glorious run to the semi-finals and the horror of going out to the Germans in penalty shootout. I remember crying in my garden after that. And then I was like getting into Premier League, but growing up in Manchester, I was like, who to follow? And uh, my cousin actually was a United fan, so he kind of took me into that. His dad is a Spurs fan, and so he's proper plastic mag fan um, <laughs> but it got me into it and then I got my dad into it and we went to Old Trafford quite so, so that's quite interesting because normally what happens is that grandfathers and fathers get their kids into football but in your case your interest in football then sparked an interest in your dad yeah yeah absolutely I think it was my mum actually got us uh, Manchester United memberships so then started getting uh, ballots to go to the game and stuff so I drove, dragged my dad along and he kind of grudgingly got into it and was your dad still living in Manchester at that stage? Or? Yes, yeah, yeah. So we were in, uh, in Didsbury, which is proper United territory. Yeah. Yeah, it was good fun. I mean, he never, like, he, was, he wasn't so into it. After, like, every summer, I'd have to tell him who we'd bought and who'd been sold. He was never, like, up on the transfer window. <laughs> OK, that's but, interesting. Um, so do you think he became interested in it as a way of kind of spending time with you and, and kind of uh, sort of maintaining the relationship that he had with you through this sort of shared activity? Or do you think he actually just like football in a kind of oh I quite like football you know going but I'm not going to get I'm not going to get the fanzine and I'm not going to work out you know all the rumours on the internet about who we're buying he just I just like going but do you think there was an element that he just liked going because he, he got a chance to spend a few hours with you actually yeah now, now you say it I think I mean great activity just the two of us going gang on the bus going down to the game and uh, just having that time just the two of us was was really nice so it probably was quite a lot of an element of that but then also we had you know the glorious 
treble treble winning season. I remember just watching that with my dad. More tears, presumably. Oh, yeah, so good, so good. And uh, a certain chap put the winning goal in in the uh, Champions League final, who's now back at Manchester United. Oh, so you must be excited about that. Can't wait, can't wait for today. Ollie's on the wheel on repeat. <laughs> so um, score prediction? Ooh, I think you might get a goal. I'm going to go three one, three one. Very good. Cheers, Max. Yeah, so we've arrived at Manchester Piccadilly, which is very, very exciting. I'm very excited about the game today. The United fans are obviously going to see it as the coronation of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as the new manager, but we're going to be the party poopers today. That's what I'm hoping for. Looking to get at least a point from this game. And we're about to get on the tram, which goes out of the station and onto the road and takes us all the way to Old Trafford. And then we're going to the Quadrant, which is a pub quite near the ground, which is mixed, so that'll be good. Speak to you in a bit. I'm now in the Quadrant pub and I'm with Neil, who is uh, a member of our away day group. We all go to away games together. We always meet up in the same pub and, and we also meet at home games at half-time. And, and he's here with his son, Casey. But obviously uh, this podcast is about family and family members and how you got into football. So you went to your first Watford game. Who did you go with? Went with some family members. That was uh, Sheffield Wednesday when the, uh, the home end was the Vicarage Road end. The vivid memory of that game was the Wednesday fans climbing above us and, 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 and stamping on the roof. Right, so it was a proper baptism of fire, but you said earlier that your, your dad was, uh, was very much into football and he was, you say he was a manager? Yeah, he, he was a player manager for the, um, the Rifle, which was a, a, a pub in Bushy. Their rival team was like the Oxy Jets, so uh, we used to travel around the Bushy Watford area every Saturday afternoon. So my dad was a Watford fan, and yeah. Now you come with your son Casey, you're going to every game this season, aren't you? Well, yeah, we've done every single game, all competitions so far this season. It's so. getting quite pricey, what with this cut run. I know, I know. <laughs> it, yeah. The thing I'm interested in really is family relationships and how football affects them. So so, so, for instance, with your son here, you've been going to every game. Do you think that has a like a can be tricky? You know, parents with teenage kids, they can those relationships can get quite strained at times. You hear people talking about how difficult it is having teenagers in the house. But with your boy going to football, do you think that this thing of following Watford away and going to home games has been a good thing for your relationship with your son? A hundred percent. I mean, Casey will tell you openly. Like he's got only half of his friends support and follow football but a very small percentage of those actually go to games with their families the, the lads that don't follow football whatsoever uh, seem to be disjointed from their families the relationship with their with their parents seems to be very standoffish whereas when we go to football week in week out it, it breaks down those boundaries and it just brings you a lot closer now the other question i want to ask you is replica shirts are you a fan of wearing replica shirts no <laughs> here i am in my replica shirt yeah. this time for the first time yeah. i've actually got Pereira on the back of it yeah. the question is do you think there's an age where you shouldn't have the name of a player on the back of your shirt if you are wearing a replica shirt do you think there's a cut-off point because obviously kids love replica shirts they have their favorite players but as an adult do you think there's a point where you go, I'm not doing that anymore? It, is a, it really is a, a personal preference and it de, de, just depends on how passionate you feel. Like, I will be wearing a, a replica shirt when we go to Wembley for Crystal Palace yeah. because that's, you know, you've got to show some form of support. I don't think there is a cut-off point on it. I know there's a lot of pundits on Talk Sports saying that, you know, 
uh, that it's wrong to be wearing replica shirts when you're in your 40s. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Jay, you know, Jason Cundy and the likes. It's just um, it's whatever you feel comfortable with. And it is when you when you look at this when you get obviously as an away fan travelling, you know, like today, every single man in his 40s here is wearing a, a, a Man United shirt. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. So I'm outside the quadrant now, it's a bit quieter, it's getting quite lively in there, and a kind of pre-match frenzy as uh, Man United fans, a lot of Man United fans, not that many Watford in the pub, but we're very welcoming there, and they're very friendly. I'm outside with Phil. Phil, how did you become a Watford fan? Bit of an odd one, really, because my, my grandfather and my dad, we're family from South Wales, from the Valleys, and we moved down to the Watford area. My dad and my granddad are both big Cardiff fans, and they used to take me to watch Watford play Cardiff underneath, you know, in the Ken Furphy years. And as a very impressionable five and six-year-old, uh, Watford won. A- and that was it. Life turned on the flip of a coin or, or a goal, probably by Scullion. Lives, lives, are ch- lives are changed by such things, aren't they? <laughs> well, this one certainly was, because I think if, if Cardiff won, you know what you like as a five or six-year-old, you follow the winning team, don't you? Well, you'd be and following a Premier League club this season. <laughs> I am already, though, with Watford. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I came away a Watford fan, and then as I, as I got older, started going by myself. We used to catch the 385 up from Rickmansworth. And uh, get into the stadium. Then I'm interested in this. Your grandfather and your father. How did they? How did they view this conversion to the yellow and black? My grandfather was disappointed. Dad just thought it was one of those things, you know, when you live in an area like that, follow your home team. It's a good no. thing to do. No, but my granddad good. was at the 1927 Cup final when. No, Cardiff was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Proper hardcore bluebird. <laughs> I love that. Um, but you went to Greece on holiday, and what happened when you came back? Because we're, we're just talking about. Uh, interesting things that have happened within families that are to do with Watford Football Club so uh, let's just have a little chat about you went off to Greece and you came back and what had happened? Yeah it wasn't holiday I got got a six month holiday job over there I think it was about 1984 so just after the cup final went over there for six months I came back knocked on the door we'll put the key in the door came in and mum said you could have to sleep in the lounge I said why is that oh, we've rented out your room what do you mean you've rented out my room we've got one of these young apprentices from Watford that's come to stay with us we're on this programme what's that then it was Ewan Roberts so young Ewan Roberts had my bedroom off me when I was on the sofa and was that exciting for you as a Watford fan to have a Watford player in the house oh yeah oh definitely I, we, I, we used to go because I got to know you and fairly well. Obviously, when you're sharing, so sharing the same house. Yeah, and on a Friday night, we'd go up to the uh, the artichoke around the corner from Mum's house. And uh, he was always a little bit nervous because even though he was only an apprentice, some people would still recognise him. And he was, he was always really scared that either someone would go and tell Tom Wally or even worse, go and tell GT that he was out on a Friday night. And so, Phil, there's one other thing we're talking about today, which is to do with replica shirts. Now, you're not wearing a replica. You're, not wearing, you're wearing a training top and an 1881 polo shirt today. But you do occasionally wear what has become known as the bird poo shirt. But that's not the question. The question is, is there a cut-off point in a man's life, or a woman's life for that matter, where having the name of a player on the back of your replica shirt, because I think replica shirts are fine for grown-ups, it's become part of football culture, but actually going to the shop and having the name of your favourite player on the back of your shirt, do you think there is a moment in a man or woman's life where you think, I'm a bit old for that, I'll just get the shirt this year? Well, I think only if you live in a glass house, you shouldn't throw stones, and I'm not one to judge anyone, and if that's what someone wants to do, then great, good for them. It's not for me, but good for them. Okay, well, that's fair enough. Just before you go, Phil, I did want to ask, you've got three sons, is that right? Yes, that's right, yeah. And not a single one of them has shown any interest in being a Watford fan. Is that true? I wouldn't say any interest whatsoever. Obviously, I used to take them 
but I, I, life goes through different stages and you get to do different things and uh, at that time I wasn't going as often as well obviously clearly it's not as often as now um, so I wasn't taking them that often we'd go to one or two games a season but no there was always something else to do I took them to the playoff finals and that sort of thing and the semi-finals up at Villa Park Do you miss that? Do you miss coming with your boys? Because I mean they're all grown ups now aren't they? They're at uni or they're, they're, they're all going to uni or they finish uni uh, do, you, do you miss that kind of connection that you, that you have when you take your kids to, to football because it is quite a unique experience isn't it? Very much so I mean uh, my youngest one he was working at the kiosk when I was working uh, as a roadie at Watford so we used to come up together and meet up afterwards and all that sort of thing so yeah I certainly miss having him in tow coming to and from the football matches and catching up with him when he wasn't working yeah definitely Cool cheers Phil From the rookery end. Before calling heads off to the stadium for the game against Manchester United, uh, I caught up last week with Ollie Wicken, uh, who is one of the members of the team that put together Watford Treasury. And the next edition is out now. Uh, and I thought while I was with him, I'd find out about what is in this third volume. Ollie, so if no one's picked up a copy before, what is the Watford Treasury? So the Watford Treasury is a visual history of Watford Football Club. Uh, it's a magazine, or is it a book? It could actually be a book because it's uh, it's 120 A4 colour pages without. <laughs> well, no, it's ad- not a book. It can't be a book with its A4. Why not? How many A4 books have you seen? You they're they're, they're always like, they're square. Like? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Oh, this <laughs> looks like a book. And mainly because on Twitter and Facebook, people are yeah. taking photographs of it on their bookshelves. Oh, OK. Well, not we'll in go, their we'll magazine racks. Okay, okay. OK. That's what it is. It's the official history of Watford Football Club. Uh, the editor's uh, Watford fan, Colin Payne. Uh, designer is Watford fan, Andy Barker. And they're just a tremendous job yeah. uh, creating a thing of beauty mm. three times a year. Well, the th- first two editions have been wonderful. Um, just, again, say to look at, but... To, to wallow in in wonderful Watfordness. What's what's in this third volume? Okay, there's plenty. There's more than ever actually. Uh, increased the page count to 120, mm. and the lead article is uh, about Skilly Williams. So it's uh, actually it's about a family uh, that has had four generations of players at the club. That's one family, four generations of players from 1910 to the present day, from the first team through to the current youth system. Um, and that family started with Skilly Williams, who, uh, if people remember, I don't suppose they do, if people remember, that's uh, Watford's legendary goalkeeper from 1913 to 1926. Uh, you may have seen pictures of him in a great big flat hat. Cap, yeah, yeah, that hat, um, yeah. The woolly jumper that he used to play in. Um, but he was, a, he was a proper legend, so uh, when he retired he had uh, he was second on the all-time appearance list with over 300 appearances he won a medal the championship medal of the southern league in 1914-15 he went up to the football league with Watford and he played in the very first game in goal uh, at Vicarage Road so proper legend and uh, he had a son called Reg Williams and Reg uh, played for Watford during the war so he made his debut in June 1940 Uh, after the war he went and played for Chelsea and uh, actually got called into the England squad as well. So he was quite a player. Mm. Uh, but he made several appearances for Watford during the war. I think he was Watford's third highest appearance maker during the war. And then you skip two generations and there were two players uh, from the family who played in the 1990s. And these were Skilly's great-grandsons, Daniel Greaves and 
uh, Grant Cornock. So they both played in the youth teams and they played in the reserve teams and Daniel played in the first team in an auto windscreens game at Fulham, I think it was, in 1998. Um, and then we skip another 20 years and uh, this season uh, there are great, great grandsons of Skilly Williams playing in Watford's youth system. So there's Jack and there's Ollie and there's Max and there's Charlie. Uh, they've been playing over the last few years at under 8, 9, 10, 11, under 12, under 13. Um, and it's just a wonderful story uh, because even though we're a club that goes to South America and recruits youngsters through our global scouting network, um, we are still taking kids from the local area, offering them opportunities and uh, allowing families to have proud histories and also future dreams um, of family members playing for Watford. And it was a real joy putting the piece together because we got to meet the family who all still live in Watford and they were so generous sharing their stuff. Um, and it allowed us to illustrate the article with uh, all kinds of things. There's some wonderful uh, medals, uh, Hart Senior Cup winners tankards, uh, magnificent photos, and Skilly kept a scrapbook from 1913. Oh, wow. um, so um, they were so generous looking through all of that stuff. Uh, so we've been able to illustrate uh, the article with some tremendous things. Because you know that's that's what I love about it is, you know, we know so much. You know, with, with the tales and the vicar's books, maybe about the so recent history, and in, in many ways, the recent history goes back to the nineteen seventies. Uh, and there's little bits that you know you've, you guys pick up on in in those, which are just adorable, like to 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 get hold of and to to find out. So really looking forward to getting that uh, reading that article about about Skilly. Uh, any other famous Watford players? Uh, do we find out a bit more about in in this edition? Yes, indeed. So picking up on your point about uh, from earlier eras, uh, there's an interview with a player called Peter Walker, who played in the blue shirt of Watford in the nineteen fifties and the yellow shirt of Watford in the early 1960s, who was a very popular player. So there's an interview with him and lots of his memorabilia to look at. Uh, there's an interview with uh, Roger Jocelyn from the late 1970s, uh, and that's another terrific uh, interview with some terrific photographs as well and no spoilers but I can reveal that at his advanced age Roger Jocelyn doesn't have long hair and a wild straggly <laughs> beard and, and he isn't still spattered in his opponent's blood either so um, that's, a, that's a great read um, and then there's an appreciation piece of Duncan Wellborn so the 1960s yes. hard man who uh, sadly passed away recently um, and also um, uh, there's a piece on the season that Pat Jennings played for Watford in 1963 as an 18-year-old. Um, so he's going to be appearing at the uh, Telson Vicarage Live uh, in April. So if you want to get the background info on his season at Watford, then uh, you can read that in the Watford Treasurer as well. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. You can, uh, if I want to get a copy sent to me, where do I go? You can order it from uh, thewatfordtreasury.co.uk. Um, it's also in the Hornet Shop and it's also at the Watford Museum. And uh, on sale at Vicarage Road uh, on your way to the Fulham game. Exactly, yeah. Uh, can't wait to pick it up. Congratulations to you, to you and, uh, and all the team on what they put together uh, for, for what for fans. It's, it's a brilliant, brilliant read. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. So I'm outside the ground, the cathedral that is Old Trafford, and uh, we've had the line-up, and uh, it's quite interesting. He's, he's played a strong midfield... And a strong forward line, fostering goal, but he seems to have decided to change the back line. He's put in Britos and Cabaselli. He's playing Messina and Yanmat. Now, I think normally we would think that Mariapa Cathcart, 
Kiko and Holobas will be our back four, our first choice back four. Although I think the Yamak Kiko thing is a bit of an interchangeable one. Now I think the Holobas thing we can understand because he's come back from an injury and you know he's 32 and we maybe we'll see him for half a game on Tuesday against Fulham or maybe not. Maybe we'll save him just for the semi-final. But putting Britos and Cabaselli in instead of Cathcart and Maps is that an audition? Is it? Maps didn't cover himself in glory against Crystal Palace, but that was the first mistake he's made, as far as I can remember, for a really long time. So you would assume that Cathcart is first choice, so maybe that's just a question of making sure he doesn't get injured before the semi-final. And then maybe if Cabaselli has a really good game today and on Tuesday, maybe he gets in ahead of Mavriapa or Britos, who is a left-footed centre-half, as we know. It's quite an interesting change, that, and it's very hard to read because we've got another game before the semi-final, so... I'm not really quite sure what to make of it. For my own, my own feeling is that Holobas will play in that semi-final uh, and I, either Kiko or Yamat will play in it and that's fine, I don't, I don't mind whichever. But this thing of centre-halves is so important and I'm not, I'm not entirely comfortable with bringing Britos and Cabaselli into this game but maybe they'll be brilliant. And if they are brilliant, will they have like forced Grazia's hand and will they... Are they really fighting for a place in that semi-final? But what is clear is that in terms of our defence, he's definitely auditioning players and he's definitely focusing on the semi-final and not this game. Interesting stuff. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. We're 20 minutes into the game and uh, we're absolutely all over them. We've had three or four. We've created three or four. We've, we've created three or four decent chances. We could really do with a goal because United looked sharp and on the break they looked like they could hurt us. But so far we've kept our concentration. We're playing really, really well. Good passing, good movement. We just so need that time. We just need that it's Manchester United one, Watford nil. We've played really, really well. It's been one of the best 45 minutes of play. Uh, that I've seen such good passing and movement but we got caught on the break fantastic ball into Brashford and uh, it was unstoppable it was a good finish uh, you can't really do anything about that but I think we can be proud of the performance in the first half we played really well we looked really up for it very ambitious made some good passing some good defending so yeah I'm hopeful that in the second half we can maybe get back in this game uh, and maybe try and get something from it we're 1-0 down which is a bit of a shame because we played really well but I'm here with with Jason who had a very difficult time a few years ago. And I just wanted to ask him a few questions about how, how the club responded in terms of the things we're talking about, about being part of a family when, you're, when you support a club like Watford. So Jason, just tell us a little bit about what happened to you. I was in a house fire in uh, 2016. Unfortunately, after the house fire, I caught uh, pneumonia and then swine flu and went into a coma for a couple of weeks. That's very, very serious. <laughs> That's a sort of terrible triple whammy you went through there. Our friend, our mutual friend Hilda, did something for you. What, what, what did, how did she get the club involved? Uh, Hilda contacted the club and said that I was a big fan of the club. Uh, my most favourite player is Alman Abdi at that time. Um, she contacted the club, told them my situation. And then Alman put together a video talking to me, asking me to get better. And uh, hopefully he would see me soon. And, and that was played to you while you were... Were you, while you were still in the coma? Also, when I woke up, they played it and I was just uh, very emotional to think that they would do that kind of thing for a normal fan. 
Yeah, I mean, it is quite an exceptional thing for a club, for a football club to involve its players in something like that. But I think that's what makes our club really quite exceptional at times, isn't it? Our club is fantastic. You can approach any player and they will sign something. They will have a picture with you. You don't get that at Man United and Everton. And this story had a really happy ending because not only are you still here, which is obviously the main thing, but you, you also now have some sort of role within the club. Is that correct? Yeah, I work in the academy as a, a scout from 6 to 16-year-olds and the academy is just getting better and better. We've got the inside dome, which is huge, and now boys that are looking at Tottenham and Arsenal are also looking at Watford. That's brilliant. So it's just under so half an hour to go in the second half and we have started the second half like European champions. We've been all over Man United. We've carved out chance after chance after chance and we just haven't been able to put the ball in the back of the net. But this is some spirited performance from the Golden Boys. Let's hope we can get something from this game. We've just scored a goal. There's 28 seconds to go. And Abdullah Adekore has scored a goal. It's now 2-1 to Man United. Boyfriend to come and meet us under the Munich clock, and the final score was Man United two, Watford one. Very disappointing because we were definitely the best team, and the best team lost. United uh, defended very deep, and they, they allowed us to come onto them, and we were really all over them all of the second half. They got one breakaway goal, which was up the other end, and there seemed to be some doubt about whether there was a foul on Foster. But anyway, I haven't seen it, so I don't know that. But what is good, the positive is that we played really, really well in probably the most important week of the season. We've got Wolves have lost today to Burnley. We've lost to United, so they're still just a point ahead. We've got to play Fulham on Tuesday. They've got to play United. And hopefully, if we can beat Fulham, we can go ahead of them and take that seventh spot, at least for the time being. And then we go on to the semi-final on Sunday. So the performance today was really, really encouraging. We played really well. We passed the ball well. We moved the ball well. The Britos, Cabaselli pairing worked really well I can't really, you can't really think that they were at blame for either goal but again I haven't seen the second one but it's all seamless our squad seems to be seamless Messina had a really really good game in the second half Gray came on uh, Kiko came on for Yanmat but it didn't seem to make much difference to the way we were playing we just kept at them kept at them we scored a lovely goal a little dink I think from Hughes over the top to Corre got it under control and dinked it past De Gea for 2-1. But we only had a couple of minutes left. We got a free kick. We almost carved out a chance, but uh, Atwell blew for a foul against uh, one of the United defenders. So I don't think it would have counted even if it had gone in. But we were the best team for the, pretty much all of the 90 minutes, except maybe a six or seven minute period after they scored their first goal. It's very disappointing that we've come away from this game with nothing. It's been our best performance up here by miles. And it's been one of our best performances of the season. But unfortunately, we've ended up uh, on the losing side. Also, we were the oh, no, word, word, words from Lily. Also, we were the much better fans. United just didn't sing at all, and we were, you know, sing the whole way through, always encouraging. And I think that makes a difference in the game. I think the like the boys, when they hear that we're still there for them, like they they, they play a lot better. So I think that's really good. Yeah, I think that's really true. The, 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 the Watford fans sang and sang and sang for the whole 90 minutes, uh, and really encouraged the team. And I think that's what led 
to the spirit of keeping going. But we've seen that all season. We got our goal and uh, we really deserved that. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the second one and get the equaliser. But as far as I'm concerned, the best team lost. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! I'm home now and it's quite late. And it's just been a great day, a long and a great day. And to spend it with Lily and with my niece, Ollie, who I don't see that much, she's 28, and her boyfriend, Max, it was just, it was great. It was a really nice day and meeting up with everybody and talking to them about family and how family has affected their supporting of Watford. I loved Phil's story about being taken by his dad and granddad to watch Cardiff play Watford and Watford won, so he became a Watford fan. I think that's great. And I love the fact that he came home from working in Greece after six months to find Ewan Roberts living in his house. And they became friends and went to the pub. And I love talking to Neil as well. And I spoke to Casey off mic and he agreed with his dad. He said the fact that they went to football meant that they had a much better relationship. They also worked together in the school holidays. Um, Neil has a building business. And it's interesting that some of Casey's friends are not as close to their fathers, to their parents, as Casey feels he is. And it's, it is a lot to do with football. And I feel the same way with Florence and Lily. I do wonder that if I hadn't taken Florence to football, if she hadn't been interested, and now with Lily coming as well, whether the relationships that I have with them are, would be as, as strong and as positive. Because I think as kids grow up and become teenagers, they want a bit of agency in the relationship. And as a parent, you're used to just sort of telling them what to do. And there has to come a point where you have to give out some line for them to, to, to grow up and, and have that equality in their relationship with their parents. And I think football really helps with that. It socialises them in a really good way because they spend so much time with other grown-ups and with the other teenagers as well. So football for me is, has been brilliant for my family relationships, particularly with my children and with my mum. And it was true of Neil and Casey and, and other people that we spoke to. So football can really play a part in strengthening those, those, those relationships at key moments, particularly in the children's lives. I, I love talking to Jason, and I, I sort of half knew that story, but I didn't, I didn't really understand it completely. And this terrible thing happened to him, and he's lying there on a hospital bed, and Hilda, his friend, knows that Alman Abdi is his favourite player and approaches the club and says, this is what's happening, he's a massive Watford fan, he's in a coma. And then <laughs> the club approach Alman Abdi, and he makes a video, and then they play it to him while he's in his hospital bed, and then he, he, you know, he comes to, he comes back to us out of his coma, and he watches the video again, and he said he was really moved watching it, and that the club had taken that time and care, and and that's the other side of uh, of the family story, which is that when you support a club, you do join a family, a great big yellow and black family, and it can have a really positive effect. Lots of people don't have families. And, and they go to football matches and meet up with friends or acquaintances or football friends and they feel part of something. And I think that's a really important thing. So, so when people ask you, people who don't understand, and they say to you, why do you go? Why do you go and watch 22 men kick a ball around and they're millionaires and it's all so corrupt now and there's so much money in the game? And Why, why, why do you bother? I mean, there's, there's so many other things you could be doing. Why do, why do you do that? Well, it's easy now. I, I feel like I've answered that question fully properly maybe for the first time which is it's to do with friendship and it's to do with family and being part of a family but also taking your family along and watching how going to football can have such a positive effect on the relationships in your family so that's a wonderful thing and um with the shirts i, I don't know if, if you know this but if you listen to hornet heaven there's a new series out and uh, in the current episode uh the theme of the episode is whether or not it's right for grown-ups to wear replica shirts. And one of the main characters in Hornet Heaven is dead against it, but he, he eventually gets converted to the idea. And everyone was very polite on, on mic, but off mic they were like, mm, yeah, 
there is a point where probably uh, as a grown-up you shouldn't get the name of a player on the back of your shirt so I feel a little bit upset about that because I love Roberto Pereira but I do sort of agree and it is the first time I've had a player's name put on my shirt since I was a teenager so that was quite funny and people were quite witty about it but they just they didn't they, they didn't want to judge people and they didn't want to say anything on mic which would uh would, would sound a bit kind of you know, like they were looking at their noses at it. And of course, replica shirts are a massive part of the game now and everyone can wear them. But it was just this thing about having a player's name on your back at the age of 50s. They thought it was a bit sad. <laughs> I feel a bit sad as well. Um, but yes, go and catch up with Hornet Heaven if you can at hornetheaven.com or you can download it from various podcast suppliers. It's a wonderful thing and Ollie Wicken does a great job and there's new episodes coming out. And back to the performance, just briefly. A bit disappointing with the result. Feel we really should have got something from the game. We had all the really good chances. But they killed us off with, you know, their only two chances. But the good thing was, as I've said before, the performance going into Tuesday, carrying some momentum. There'll be some changes. Other players will come in and really, really work hard to try and get picked for the following Sunday. And hopefully we can take momentum into the weekend. Come on, you awards. Come on, you awards.